Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. As always, I am super excited about our guest this week. We have Alison Haddon who is a marketing executive in the tech industry, a veteran speaker, lifelong athlete and adventurer, and now a cancer warrior after being diagnosed with advanced breast cancer at a fit and seemingly healthy 38 years young. In February 2020, her inspiring TEDx talk, Confronting Death to Live a Fuller Life, Gardnered a standing ovation soon after a brain scan revealed a tumour the size of a lemon which was successfully removed during emergency brain surgery. Now, Alison's excited to share what she believes is the most important information of all, how to live every day like there is no time to waste. Through a combination of wit, intensity and insight, she shares the story of how her advanced cancer diagnosis drove a sense of urgency to double down on her intentional way of living and provides actionable ways to start living a life of purpose and passion, starting right this second. When she is not speaking, advising companies and adventuring all over the globe, Alison spends her free time trail running, snowboarding, hiking and playing with her dogs in beautiful Colorado. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, this morning uh, or evening, depends on what end of the world you are sitting at right now, we have the lovely Alison Haddon. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thanks so much, Catherine. Really excited to be here. I am super excited. So for those that don't know, I met the lovely Alison in um, Arizona. Was it in February? It was. In February, February, I think, 21st. Yep, Phoenix, yep. Arizona. And this is, uh, yes, we both met at uh, a TEDx talk, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. First, as we always love to start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So, Alison, tell us, what inspired you to do what you do today? Uh, well, as you know, and I'll share in a minute, it's, uh, it's been a doozy for me the last, uh, not even two years um, for me. When really everything changed in my life uh, in the fall of 2018, um, I had just moved to uh, 
central coast of California for a job. Um, I was fit and running and about to start racing again, coming back from an injury. Um, you know, life, life was good. Um, and, uh, I found a lump, uh, in my breast at 38 years old, um, and was diagnosed with, uh, stage three C advanced, uh, breast cancer. Um, and it really rocked my world and, um, the roller coaster that has uh, ensued since has been a, a really wild ride, especially as of late. Um, but it has driven me to want to get uh, a message out to the world um, to, you know, start recognizing that, you know, for all of us, you know, death as a as a universal inevitability that is really really scary that we don't talk about. Um, but maybe if we faced it and maybe rebranded death. Um, a bit differently, uh, it would enable us to live uh, a, a richer, fuller life. Um, so I can share the story, but that is uh, the journey that I've been on for the last 18 months. And, you know, what what led the universe to bring you and I together in, in meeting at, uh, at TEDx Grand Canyon University in February. Mm, which is awesome. So we love to hear the story. We'd love to hear uh, your full story. Sure. Um, so it was the fall, as I mentioned, I had gotten diagnosed and, and this was something that really rocked my world. Um, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. Uh, I'm super fit and, and, and active, uh, friends would say that, you know, I was one of the healthiest people that they knew. Um, so to get diagnosed and to get diagnosed, you know, under the age of, uh, 40, uh, with breast cancer, which is going to, uh, affect one in eight women, um, in, in the world, uh, that was really rare. Um, and then on top of that being diagnosed under 40, uh, with triple negative breast cancer. So triple negative breast cancer is essentially the, the rarest type. Uh, it's the most aggressive form of breast cancer. Um, it affects 15% of women that are diagnosed, um, and essentially, uh, reduces the number of available treatment op options because you have three negative hormone receptors. Um, so essentially in a very short period of time, it was as if, um, I, you know, was playing roulette and, and I just double zero and zero kept coming up. Right. It was just, I was hitting on all the, the really terrible odds. Um, and it was a lot to take in. Um, I talk about it in my Ted talk that you saw where, you know, uh, it ended with, it ended up with me, you know, spending a lot of really late nights down rabbit holes on my phone, you know, Googling things and, you know, uh, being obsessed with, uh, Instagram, uh, accounts of other people who are battling cancer. And every time I found someone who had lost their, their fight, you know, it just, it just really devastated me. And, and I wasn't talking about my own fears of death with anybody um, because I felt like I didn't want to put the people that I loved through any more pain. Um, what I found was that as I did start to talk about my fears with my therapist and close friends, that I actually started to feel better. And I started to research what's called death anxiety and, and terror management theory, which basically says that we as humans go through sort of an existential crisis when we think about the idea of like not existing. It's really terrifying. And it puts most of us in just a state of complete kind of paralyzing fear. 
Um, so I started to become really obsessed with researching and uh, understanding the science behind it, um, which I didn't share in the TED Talk, but um, was really kind of the driving force behind it. Um, and, uh, you know, getting selected to speak at, at TEDx was really exciting. I started to speak at um, some corporate events about, uh, you know, kind of living living life differently, living a life with more meaning and intention and how to, as I say, you know, carpe the, carpe the shit out of life, like go get it, um, which was exciting. Um, I spoke at, uh, at TEDx in February. I met you, which was phenomenal. And, and I think a universe thing, um, you know, I was, I was booking keynote speaking engagements in, you know, at events in Amsterdam and Mexico and Boston and everything was, was really lining up. And then in March, uh, so just a couple weeks after um, I was at TEDx, I started to recognize I, that I was having trouble communicating. Um, I am, I'm a word person. I am also a, a fast talker. I'm a fast mover. I too fast most of the time. And I was finding that, you know, I couldn't mentally like move as fast as I normally did. And then I couldn't articulate what I was trying to say, even though I knew what I wanted to say, I couldn't find the words. And to be honest, you know, I thought that it was my inability to kind of handle all of the change that started to happen with COVID like overnight, you know, events started pushing, events started canceling, you know, um, the ski resorts closed, you know, my company went through massive layoffs where they essentially cut the company in half and laid off 900 people. Everything happened in the course of, you know, two, three weeks. And I was embarrassed because I thought that I, my system was short circuiting, it felt like, and I wasn't able to handle all the change. Um, what I found out later, um, I feel a little bit better uh, because uh, about six weeks after I started noticing kind of the the cognitive processing challenges, um, I started to have some physical deterioration where I started to have uh, crazy headaches and weakness and dizziness, and I couldn't get up the stairs. And then I had two spells where I was throwing up for 24 hours. I thought it was food poisoning. And I reached out to my oncologist and basically said, something's up. Um, and then four days later, on April 21st of this year, uh, I went in for a brain CT um, I came out and was changing and they basically busted into my room and said, you need to bring this disc over to your oncologist at the cancer center immediately. And they're waiting to talk to you. Um, what I found out, uh, that afternoon, um, was that I had a brain tumor that was the size of a lemon and it was right in my frontal lobe. And the swelling was so significant that they needed to get me in for, uh, emergency brain surgery as soon as they could get me into the schedule. So less than 24 hours later, um, I was admitted immediately. Less than 24 hours later, uh, I was on an uh, operating room table um, and they were literally cutting open <laughs> my head um, to get that brain tumor out. Um, and miraculously, the surgery was a complete success. Um, immediately I was, I got my brain functioning back. I was able to communicate and it was like every six hours, my functioning was, uh, was compounding and I was just improving rapidly, you know, hour over hour within 24 hours, I was pretty much back to myself. Um, and they actually, um, had, let me go home because of COVID. I was alone in the ICU um, recovering 
for uh, about a day and a half. And my family, who had flown out from the East Coast, um, was basically waiting for me at home because they couldn't be at the hospital. And the doctors decided that it would be a better recovery environment for me to be in my own home than it would be for me to be alone in the intensive care unit um, by myself. So I came home. That was literally about three weeks ago. Um, I'm feeling fantastic now. My brain functioning is like back to firing on all cylinders. I'm convinced that I like have superpowers now. Um, and it was a complete miracle, you know, how the, the surgery rent. And, uh, now I am just like completely overwhelmed with gratitude and just in awe of life. And, you know, it's a bummer <laughs> that now my cancer is metastatic which means that it is uncurable and it, it is terminal. Um, but my scan that I had last week showed no other cancer in my body. So we're going to hopefully just do some radiation uh, in some little spots uh, on my brain. But then that's it. And I get to go back to, you know, kind of crushing life with, with purpose and passion now. And, you know, again, I have, I have nothing to complain about. I am super grateful. Um, so that's basically the roller coaster that I've been on um, for the last couple months. And I'm just, you know, I'm grateful to be here healthy, um, minus the cancer that's trying to kill me, but uh, healthy and happy and surrounded by family. Um, and just, you know, I, I'm, I'm here. And that's a freaking miracle because that that brain surgery could have gone really, really badly. And it didn't. Um, and uh, and that's where I am. Wow. Allison, it's, it's it. when I found out about it uh, and it was only just uh, during the week, I was blown away. And I just think that the courage that it takes to go through what you went through and you do, you have, I remember at TEDx, it was like, we were both nervous in that, <laughs> in that uh, little green room. And, and yep. it was like, you've got this, don't worry, we've got it. Yeah. It's, it's your, your attitude, your behavior. And I really believe this is what's made you come through the other end because of your mindset. I really do believe that. You talked about research. What when you did your research, your research around dying. I would love to mm -hmm. unpack that a little bit. And do you think from doing that research has helped you with this second um situation? Uh do you think you handled it a lot better with the research, knowing the research? Yeah, it's a really good question. Yeah, the research I did basically, you know, I just started kind of googling like fear of death, you know, fear of dying. And I and I actually stumbled upon a podcast uh on uh NPR's uh, Hidden Brain with Shankar Vedantam. It's one of my favorites. Um and he actually did a a podcast on death anxiety and terror management theory. Basically, um there was a guy who wrote uh this book called uh the avoidance of death, um, back in, gosh, I want to say the seventies. Um, and he explored the very real fears around dying and essentially what we as humans, what happens to us when we think about that idea of not existing, um, that it essentially conjures up, you know, this existential terror and this paralyzing fear that puts our system in such a state of shock that we essentially distance ourselves. We avoid the topic. We don't want to talk about it. 
Um, and we find ways to almost rationalize the belief that we're going to live forever, even though we're not. Um, and then, you know, from this guy's research came uh, what they called terror management theory, you know, which is essentially all the ways in which we kind of rationalize the the idea of death and dying and how we kind of connect with communities and different schools of thinking um, in order to feel more protected from this inevitability, which is sort of illogical because we all know that that we're all going to die at some point, that our lives are finite, that it doesn't matter, you know, race, color, creed, social status, it's going to affect all of us. None of us can outrun it. And yet we are so afraid that we will do crazy things uh, and rationalize in order to think that we can almost outrun it, even though we logically won't. Um, doing the research and like starting to dig into terror management theory and, and death anxiety. Um, I think all it did when it came to what I call the lemon, which was the brain tumor um, with me, when the lemon, you know, I was, it all happened so quickly. I didn't have time to think about it or process it or freak out about it beforehand because I was just in a hospital room for 24 hours staring at a TV, unable to really communicate. And just mentally, I was just not myself. I wasn't all there. Um, so I wasn't able to start processing what even happened until after the fact. And that's kind of where I am now. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of work with my therapist, I'm writing. Uh, and basically, you know, every, every day, every week, it becomes less surreal for me to say, I had a brain tumor the size of a lemon and they removed it in emergency surgery and it was a complete success. <laughs> that statement, you know, three weeks ago when I had just really come out of the hospital was baffling and very hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, and today it is more closely weaved into my story. So it doesn't feel as disconnected and it, it feels more, more like mine. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. But, you know, I think the next level of processing for me is, you know, looking at that, that terminal cancer diagnosis and, you know, confronting death in a way that, uh, I really have to put my money where my mouth is now, you know, you heard in my Ted talk that I, I talked about, you know, my ultimate fear of what if the cancer comes back and what if it's silently spreading in my body right now, unbeknownst to me you know, only to come back stronger and kill me. And that's what happened. <laughs> right. My ultimate fear came true. Um, the, the silver lining is though, you know, I, I found, we found the tumor, uh, we got it out. It was a success. I'm feeling great. Like I can go live my life now. And they didn't find cancer, you know, outside of, um, any of the areas that we already knew. And now basically they're just going to scan me every three months or so, um, to start, you know, to stay on top of things and make sure that we're not surprised by anything. But like, you know, when I make a full recovery from the brain surgery and I, I swear, I feel like I'm already there. Um, you know, it's time for me to just go live life and the way I roll, which is a lot of what my friends and family have said is they're like, the way you roll 
you're going to live for another 30 years and it's not going to be the cancer that kills you. You're just going to do something dumb, like be on, you know, safari in Tanzania and like get too close to a baboon or, you know, be like, you know, paragliding or something and like crash into a wall. Like, you know, I'm just, that's the joke is that it's not going to be the cancer that kills me. It's going to be me just living life and like, you know, doing something dumb. Um, and that makes me smile and makes me go, yeah, that would be pretty me, you know? So, you know, I joke, but, uh, I plan to be here for, for a long time. And at least now I don't have to wait for the other shoe to drop. The shoe dropped. There's, there's nothing, there's nowhere else to go with the cancer, right? It's, it's stage four. We've hit the ceiling. So now it's like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go live my life. Um, and I think processing that and having to walk through every day with the reality that I do have a, a terminal cancer diagnosis, um, that that's my challenge now. That's like, that's the work that I have to do now is to, to really kind of, uh, you know, wrestle with that and, and come to peace and, and find acceptance, which I don't think in my experience, you sit in acceptance. I think for me, I will probably bounce between those stages of grief. I know I have already, um, but finding a place of settling into acceptance is going to be the work, the emotional and the spiritual work that I have to do. Mm, that's very, very powerful. I just wanted to say too, I know from my research uh, in speaking that speaking is up there, one of the th- the scariest things to do up there, even <laughs> higher than death, believe it or not. So that's really interesting, isn't it, that um, you've actually – um, being in those situations, and and one, it, it it is true. Death is a sure thing that we all have to face one day, but we don't talk about yeah. it. So, are you yeah. saying that we should speak more about it? <laughs> um, you know, I I think, and again, I I really have to put my money where my mouth is now. But um, I believe that you know when you take a fear and you give it a voice, right? You take the power out of it. I also believe when you are able to share and be vulnerable and talk about your fears of any, about anything with somebody that you trust. It helps you feel like you're not alone and it helps you feel connected to humanity. Um, so, so I, I believe that if you have the courage to face that death anxiety and you are, you have the courage to be vulnerable with another person and talk about it with them, that in my experience, at least, when I'm on the other side of that, I feel much better. I feel far less alone. And I feel less like the fears are bouncing around inside in my head, which is just not, it's not a good neighborhood, my head alone. Um, so that's, you know, again, I, I can't speak for anyone else except for me, but that has helped me um, to to sort of, you know, manage through it and and essentially feel better. So you were talking about acceptance, which is one of those things that, I mean, I've, I know myself that I um, danced with anxiety for some years from 2012. And mm-hmm. I know that the more I was afraid of it, the, the, 
it's like the stronger it came towards me. And then once <laughs> I learned to dance with it and accepted it, that it was my superpower, which is what you were saying before, I now look at anxiety as a superpower because when it crops its little head up, I go, okay, mm-hmm. it's time for me to slow down. But it has taken me years to get to that. So yeah. in your eyes or in your mind, what are your, your steps towards accepting or acceptance? Well, that's a good question. It's funny, you're, you were talking about speaking before and the anxiety around that. And, you know, I, I shared my experience of speaking at TED, you know, you and I were together. Um, and I wrote a blog post about it. And I talked about it's glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking. Um, and how it had never affected me before. And I just found myself so nervous. Um, the anxiety that I felt before that, though, you know, and maybe it's just me as an athlete, but to me, the the anxiety in certain situations is a good thing because it tells me it's like butterflies that tells you this is important. This is an important thing. You should you should be on your game here. You should pay attention because it's game it's it's game day. It's it's go time, right? And I think that's the anxiety that I felt before speaking at TEDx as an example. Um, when I think about though anxiety around, you know, confronting mortality and a cancer diagnosis like mine, um, that is more of a kind of constant low buzz anxiety, almost like a generalized anxiety. Um, that might not make my heart rate go up um, or make me feel hot um, or feel like adrenaline, but instead it just feels like a, you know, tightening in my chest. I feel like I can't, I can't take good breaths, you know, my breathing's screwed up and I become sort of, uh, you know, frantic inside, a little bit frenetic, my energy um, and I can't focus or or sort of sit still because staying in one place would force me to confront what I'm actually afraid of or I'm actually anxious about. Um, and that's, you know, I'm afraid that I'm afraid that, that like I'm I'm going to die a lot earlier than I want. And I'm afraid that that process to get to death is going to be like a really uncomfortable like not fun experience, you know, if I'm really honest about it, um, how I move through or how I get to acceptance. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know yet because I'm not there. You know, I'm a couple weeks out from the surgery and the diagnosis and the reality of the situation. And, you know, there are some days where I go, you know what, it's all going to be okay whatever happens, it's all going to, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe all of us are on a path. I believe that we might not be able to see or understand why things happen in our lifetimes. But if we took the 30,000 or the hundred thousand foot view, you know, years and years uh, ahead, um, that we'd be able to look at the, the path of what's happened in our lives and go, I see exactly why that happened, right? There was a benefit to that. And I, I believe that. I believe that there's there's a reason why I have this diagnosis. And I believe that my purpose is now to to share a message with the world and help people face 
their mortality and do that so that they can start to live their life differently um, and and find themselves on their deathbed without regrets or with less regrets. That's my what you, what I talk about, like my personal legacy. Um, that's what I care about. Um, when it comes to acceptance, you know, I still <laughs> found myself, you know, in tears with my therapist this week talking about, you know, what I was scared of. Um, but then today, you know, or yesterday, I found myself walking back from the market with fresh, um, fresh produce in my bag and fresh flowers. And I was walking with my dog, my mini Labradoodle, who's just the cutest. And, you know, we were stopped at a stoplight and it's a beautiful day. And, you know, I just was like completely struck by the sweetness of that simple moment. And I've been having a lot of those, those experiences recently. And in those moments, I, I'm okay. And I feel much closer to acceptance of my diagnosis and the reality, like than than I do on other days. So I think a lot of it is about, at least for me, um, it's about patience recognizing that I'm not going to just kind of wrap my head around this and be okay and rubber stamp it. Um, you know, within a couple weeks, it's going to take some time. I think it, I think it requires, um, some kind of, uh, nurturing and some self-love, um, to know that, Hey, this is tough and it's okay. If I have days that aren't great, um, or days where I want to cry or days where I'm really pissed because I'm definitely angry about the whole thing. Sometimes <laughs> it's kind of a raw deal. Um, but then also I am allowing myself to then flow into these moments of like just overwhelming gratitude and just like love and like this, you know, this sweetness again, that I'm finding in the simple moments as we all are going through, you know, quarantining and, you know, being at home and not having anything on the calendar. Um, and this, you know, all of us going through, you know, life moving in a much, much lower gear. Um, so I think, you know, to answer your question, like, I don't know what the formula is yet for acceptance and staying in it. I think right now, just kind of giving myself the room to bounce back and forth through all my feelings making sure that I'm taking the time with my therapist and through journaling to like actually name the feelings that I'm having as I go through them and then giving myself permission to like, just kind of let them flow right now and like be cool with it. Um, because this is a big thing. It's a big deal. And it's a, you know, really kind of tough reality. Um, but I agree with what you said. Like, I do believe that mindset really dictates how good our lives are. And it's all a matter of perspective. And when I look at my life, I go, man, I am like hashtag blessed, man. I am, there are just like so many things that I am grateful for. So many things that, um, you know, I just, I feel not lucky, but just, I do, I feel blessed. And I feel like the universe has just gifted me a bunch of stuff. And, um, yeah, I think about what the state that other people are in and what they're facing. And I go, man, I'm, I'm the lucky one, you know? And, and I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that on most days. 
It sounds very blissful. And, you know, the only thing you can do is live in the now because that's all that mm-hmm. exists, right, in the present moment. And like yes. you said, when we are grateful, and I think that's the, a really important uh, word, uh, practicing gratitude, if you are grateful and just look at the things you're grateful for, that will um, generate a different mindset and a different energy within rather than mm-hmm. the, uh, the opposite of that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's like one of my things, you know, in my TED talk and the other stuff that I write about, uh, for me, like gratitude lists, uh, the times in which I have just been like at my lowest of low, you know, the things that have helped me out of that slowly, one of them is like, when I wake up, I write down like three things that I'm grateful for. And when I go to bed, I write down three things I'm grateful for. And like, they don't have to be big things. They can be little things. You know, I talk about in that TED talk, like, you know, you're doing laundry and like you find $10 in your jeans pocket and you're like, yes, you know, or I found myself, as I mentioned yesterday, like at a stoplight with like fresh flowers and like my little dog and it's a beautiful day. And I'm just like, man, I am like so stoked about this day. Um, When I write it down though, when I, when I like put my focus on what I'm grateful for, I have always found that I am like amazed at what I notice. And that for me has in the past had the power to shift things where we really, I move from that glass half empty to glass half full um, without even trying, you know? Um, And that has a huge impact on like my overall mindset, Mm. Um, which, which, you know what, like in all honesty, like there are some days when you're like, I just can't get there. (laughs) Today is just like a day where like, I just can't move into that blissful, you know, like gratitude drenched mindset. And I think the easiest thing is to just go, okay, I'm not there right now. And that's okay. And, you know, let's, let's hope that I wake up tomorrow and it's a new day. You know, I give myself permission sometimes to just go, all right, if you're pissed about whatever, or if you're just not in that mindset right now, like, that's okay. Just be open to the fact that like it, it could change on a dime. So let it, let it, if it does. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. makes sense. And I mean, we're all human, right? And we can't always be happy and, and skipping down the street. And, you know, we have right. our days, all of us have our days and it's about honoring them and giving yourself permission to be in them. Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. One thing that, you know, and we've had lots of women on the show and it's really interesting. We've had lots of women um, uh, battle different different types of terminal uh, diseases and it's really interesting. The common thread is why do we all do this as human beings? Why is it that we wait for something traumatic to happen before we start living our life to the fullest? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's hard to speak for other people. Like, I, you know, I, I just think about me and um, I just know that knowing that like my time, my time is finite, that, you know, my time is going to be up at some point, you know, I just don't know, all of our time is going to be up at some point. Um, I just don't know when that's going to be. That for me, creates a sense of urgency uh, that drives me to want to be better. It drives me to want to 
give back. It drives me to think about what they call mortality legacy awareness. It basically means like the closer we get to death or like the closer we get to accepting or thinking or facing or confronting our own mortality, um, the more we think about what we want to leave behind when we're gone, um, who, who we want to be, uh, known for, you know, and basically like ways in which we can leave the world a better place than we found it. Um, and I feel like that's where I am. I'm starting to move into now, right. As I start to process the, um, the diagnosis, it's like, wow, um, I want to do something big. And I don't mean big in like a, you know, kind of self, uh, selfish, self-centered kind of way. I mean, like, I want to, I want to, I want to change the world. I want to impact the world. Um, I want to impact lives, you know? Um, and that could be through, uh, fostering a kid, which, you know, we've talked about, uh, potentially my partner and I, it could be, through, you know, uh, kind of aligning with a nonprofit and basically being able to, you know, be a platform for, uh, you know, getting them more exposure and more donations. Um, you know, I'm looking at nonprofits right now and, and seeing kind of which one makes the, sh- which ones make the short list. Um, you know, and it's also about, you know, speaking and talking to people and, and being on podcasts like yours and, and hopefully, um, having people start to think about, you know, what they can do to live a life with more meaning and more intention that is richer, um, than, than they ever probably thought possible, you know? Um, and yeah, it's, it's an, it's an exciting time. Like it's an interesting time for me, but you know, I'm very clearly still in the processing stages um, but I can already see that kind of mortality legacy awareness thing, like my personal legacy is being something that's going to be really important and is very, very much tied to my own processing of, of, you know, my impending death. And, you know, again, all of our impending deaths, um, I could, <laughs> the joke was like, you know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, um, the cancer diagnosis is just basically like, well, will you live to your hundred? Probably not. (laughs) Um, but you know, all of us should be recognizing or thinking about the fact that, you know, it could be, today could be our last day on earth, you know, and that sounds maybe far-fetched or crazy or, um, morbid, but it's, it's the reality, you know? So then it's like, okay, so how are you, how do you want to live your life? If you knew that you had one week left or one day left or one year, or one decade. Um, and those are the things that I think about right now all the time. And most of the time it doesn't freak me out. Um, it actually inspires me and motivates me to like get moving, uh, and have that, you know, cause I feel like I have that, that ticking clock, you know, that's behind me going, Hey, like there's, as I say, like, there's no time to waste. Let's go, let's get moving. And that applies for all of us, for our listeners too. I think it's like don't wait for something to happen for you to start living your life to your fullest potential. Do it now. There's no time to waste, like you said. So I'm curious, Alison, where to from here for Alison? You you were talking about starting a movement. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Where it's going from here is, you know, 
I am taking, you know, again, processing everything what happened with the lemon and, um, and starting to think about the message, uh, of mine, which is like, you know, you don't have to wait for a health scare or, you know, a brush with death or rock bottom to realize that, you know, life, life is short. And I, and, and I have an opportunity to offer people like tools, tangible tools and actionable ways that they can, you know, carpe the shit out of life. They can go get it. They can start, as I say, like, you know, stop wasting years and start maximizing moments, you know? Um, so, you know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, people who are in that, like, you know, motivational speaker category, um, a lot of them have the same message. And a lot of it is kind of diff it's, it's, it's intangible. It's like difficult. You're like, oh, that's a great story. And that's a great message. But like, what do I do with it? And I want to be someone that says like, oh, I'm going to give you like 10 things that you can do right now that are going to, that are going to help you to get on this path. Um, and that's something that I feel like I can offer that, that other people aren't offering right now. And I'm excited about that because again, my whole point is like, I want to help people think about their lives differently and recognize that like, there is no time to waste. The time is now. Here's what you can do to start changing your life. Um, and I'm, I'm really passionate about figuring out different ways to get that message out and putting together those tools so that people can actually start to do it. So when you're talking about these tools or tips, what would be just a couple for our listeners? What, what can we do to change our life today? Sure. Um, so the things that I, you know, have, I've already mentioned, I say like one thing is like, you know, invite death to dinner. Um, this is about, you know, having the courage to be vulnerable and sharing your thoughts and your fears about death and dying with another human being, you know, somebody that you trust, um, giving that fear a voice and taking the power out of it. Um, that the more aware and you are of more of your own mortality, it will have an impact on the way that you live your life every day. Um, so that's one thing is, you know, have those conversations with people that you trust. Don't avoid the topic of death, even though it's scary, write about it, read about it, but most importantly, talk about it with people that you trust. I think people would be surprised at, um, how much better they feel after, um, if they can walk through that death anxiety and, and have the courage to do it, uh, to be vulnerable with somebody else. Um, so that's one thing and invite death to dinner Two is, uh, and I already talked about this, but like immersing yourself in gratitude. I think you agree too, that when you're in, when you're in gratitude, it, it has the power to change your mindset and really is what dictates how good you think your life is. Um, I strongly believe in, you know, writing it down, um, which helps sort of manifest things. I believe, you know, when you wake up in the morning, um, but almost more importantly, at least for me is before I go to bed, I have a, a gratitude jar. So, uh, one year I had a really tough year. I thought it was my toughest year <laughs> and then I got cancer and that was like totally different. Um, but it was years ago and I had a, an emotionally difficult year. Um, and I ended up making a gratitude jar 
Um, I, I remember Liz Gilbert had talked about it, I believe in like a, a maybe a podcast, you know, making a gratitude jar, putting little scraps of paper in it. And then, you know, whenever you have those moments when you're like, man, I'm just really, really grateful for that, to write it down, to date it on a small piece of paper and put it in a jar and have that jar somewhere where kind of you see it and it's a reminder. And so next to my bed, I have a jar that I've labeled gratitude and I put a really cute little ribbon. I made it like an arts and crafts project. Um, and I've got all these different little scraps of paper. I think I bought them on Amazon and I've got a pen and every day now I, I write at least one thing on my little piece of paper and I put the date on it and I fold it and I put it in. And then the ideas on uh, New Year's Eve every year, you take time alone to basically dump all your little pieces of paper out and you are able to reflect on those moments of gratitude that you've had throughout the year. And when I've done that the last couple years, like it's been a really special experience for me and it has done nothing, but I think like strengthen my, my gratitude muscle um, and sort of, again, like weave, weave those things uh, into the fabric of me and 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 I think for me makes me uh, really impacts that that mindset that we talked about. So gratitude jar, I think number two, uh, and number three is starting a life list. So um, when I was fifteen, I started a life list. I don't know where I came up with it. I don't know why I named it that. It's it's not a bucket list, so it's not a uh, list of things I want to do before I die. Although those things can sit on the list as well. It's more like little things and big things that light me up and, and bring me joy. Um, it could be something as, you know, big as going on a South African safari, which I did with my sister last year um, after cancer treatment, which was awesome and epic and amazing because I'd wanted to do it for a long time. Um, buy a house, which I was able to do this year. And I'm super blessed and grateful to have done that. Um, and, you know, uh, I think I even said publish a book at one point. And I probably wrote that when I was in high school and I'm working on a book now, which is cool. But it also could be like little stuff. Um, on it was like, uh, you know, run a run a half marathon which i you know did in my 20s um but also like get an ice maker because when i was younger i just remember having to fill up the trays with water and then carry them ever so patiently like into the freezer without spilling and it was just for for me like such a frustrating experience i just remember as a kid going when i've made it i'm going to get it i'm going to get an ice maker and i'm never going to have to fill up the trays again so get an ice maker was on my life list so what I tell people is like, you don't have to wait. It doesn't have to be uh, a big deal. You could literally go on your phone and I'm an Apple person. So I basically go in the notes section and started life list. It was the title and start it from there. And what I tell people is you can start your life list like today. <laughs> you, before you go to bed, just put one thing on that list. Again, it could be a big thing, a little thing. Um, it could be about things you want to do. It could be about you know, things you want to buy, it could be about things you want to give. Um, but anything that you you think about it, and you go, man, if I could check that off, and I would just feel I would just be like tickled, tickled pink, you know, and put it down on paper, um, and then start to figure out how you can craft your life so that you can begin to check those things off. Um, because again, it's about getting to the end, whenever that is, and going, 
man, I really did it. I really feel like I lived. I don't feel like I have a lot of regrets. Um, that's where I want to be. And that's where I want other people to get to. So those are the three things I would say, inviting death to dinner, um, having the courage to talk about it, um, immersing yourself in gratitude, uh, you know, and having a gratitude jar and basically putting little, little notes of gratitude in there throughout the year and looking back on it, um, at the end of the year and then starting a life list and doing it today, even if it's just on your phone, uh, and putting on it, you know, the big things and the little things, um, that are going to really spark joy and happiness, um, because, you know, that's what it's all about. Mm, thank you. And for our listeners, that was Alison just giving us our three shiny golden nuggets uh, that we normally do as we start wrapping up the show. And the other thing that we do as we start wrapping up the show, Alison, is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Oh, that's a good one. One word that uh, I would say intensity. You know, if I'm, if I'm really honest, like I'm an intense person, I've always been intense and sometimes it's great. You know, um, I have a drive system that's pretty powerful and enables me to just go really hard at things. Um, and, uh, as long as it's that intensity is pointed in the right direction, we're in a good spot. Um, and now with no time to waste, like, uh, I'm able to take that intensity and sort of go attack, you know, this purpose and this passion and this life, you know, with, with a level of focus and energy, uh, and intensity that I think is very uniquely me. And it's been something that I, uh, I think have taken, you know, 39 years to really accept as part of me. And now it's something that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up my intensity for anything. I, I believe it's, it's part of what makes me, me, um, and when channeled in the right direction, it can be a really powerful thing that can like, uh, that can impact change, you know, so intensity, that's my word. Mm, love it. And Alison, where would be the best place for our listeners to find you? Oh, it's a great question. Um, they can follow me on Instagram at no time to waste project, um, on Facebook at the same handle, no time to waste project. Um, and they can learn more about me and my story and kind of what I'm doing to get that message out there at no time to waste project.com. Thank you so much, Alison. It's been amazing having you on the show and sharing your story. And I'm sure our listeners are going to reach out to you. Thank you once again for your your time, your energy, and your most amazing, very inspirational story. Sure. And thank you for uh, for inviting me to be here. It's been it's been super fun, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get the word out, Catherine. This is a, a a really special thing. So kudos and thanks. No, thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations 
or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.